The game sports show and game entertainment media want to give a quick stick tap to LivingSisu.com. Sisu is a Finnish word for determination, tenacity, and resiliency. LivingSisu.com wants to activate your lifestyle by offering discounts and exclusive offers from your favorite sports brands. Sign up as free at LivingSisu.com where you will earn instant offers that will help you save on sports tools, products, supplements, and so much more. Be sure to check it all out at LivingSisu.com. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the GameSportsShow.com. We are inside the Game Entertainment and Media studios, and on top of being connected or listening through our website, you may have been tuning in on one of the many social media or media platforms heard on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, or Podtail podcast platforms, or of course, Facebook or Instagram. Either way, you're very happy you're able to join us for yet another special edition recording. Now, getting to our special edition co-host here on this upload, the co-host is brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors, a man with over a 1,000 professional hockey games. He's been all over the world, wicked speed, wicked clap bomb at the top of the circle. I've said that on numerous shows. Main co-host of the special edition upload, Brendan Brooks. Brooksy, how you doing, pal? I'm doing good, man. It's good. Uh, I'm really excited about the show today. It's a great guest, good friend. Uh, it's just going to be a real good one, and uh, I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this. Certainly, and you know what? It's definitely one we were looking forward to do. Uh, we've had a lot of great guests on the show, but this one's going to be very special for sure. Now, getting to that special edition guest straight up, he's one tough dude. Okay, played in the WHL, the East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, uh, played a game in the National Hockey League for the St. Louis Blues and in the KHL. He has over 1,500 penalty minutes in his professional hockey career and just under 425 games. Uh, Born in Meadow Lake, primarily an enforcer on and off the ice. He is a novice Golden Gloves boxing champion, black belt in Muay Thai. I probably butchered that, but that's fine. He has also knocked out opponents in 19 and 17 seconds in the first round in the XFS. The one only Jeremy Yablonski. Jeremy, thank Thanks for taking the time to come on the show, pal. It's a pleasure to have me on the show, guys. Thank you. For, thank you very much. Certainly. Did I butcher anything in that introduction, or am I clear for? Am I clear there? Yeah, you're clear. It was, it was nice and smooth. There we go. <laughs> like that. Well, let's get it all started. I want to talk about the both of you, uh, yourself being teammates. Uh, get to it. Uh, how it was playing with Brooksy, okay? Because I can tell you, being a co-host here with Brooksy, it's fun, okay? You know, but. Brooksy uh, took his talents. He kept it on the ice. He came to do radio. Very happy to have Brooksy, of course, part of the show. But uh, obviously, with these special edition uploads, he's a big part of it. And we try to keep the chirps live here on these shows so so <laughs> listeners can see how much we chirp each other. But I want to go to you first, Jeremy, with how you guys were as teammates, how you guys came friends, how you guys know each other, uh, and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, first off, you know, Brooksy was a, was a great teammate. Um, he was a true brother. You know, you got teammates, you, you know, but he was a true brother. Um, we had a trio, me, me, uh, Trevor Gillies and Brooksy. We had, uh, we just created such a good brotherhood. Uh, we had our time in Peoria together and, you know, a lot of people might not know this or if somebody said this, we used to call Brooksy like the little Bruce Lee, um, oh, okay. because like he was, he was like, he was always in like great shape and he was just like ripped up like a bad report card. And he was fast. And when, like, you know, he scores, he's known for goal scoring, but he could fight. And when he fought, he would literally grab and punch so fast. And, you know, we just started calling him, like, little Bruce Lee. And it was awesome. Like that. <laughs> little Bruce Lee. I might have to add that to the introductions going oh, Brooksy. I'm going to yeah. go is Bruce Lee on steroids. That's what I like. Yeah, yeah. We might have said that. We had a couple different Bruce Lee names for him. But, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. he just the, – the crew we had there, too, I mean – 
Um, you know, he just, we just fit in well together. We had such a group of guys. We had such a group of like legitimate tough guys on our team as well. I mean, that year when we all played together, um, in the East coast hockey league, we could basically do whatever we wanted, um, our players, because we just had the heavyweights. It was awesome. Literally. Yeah, it was good for guys like myself and, uh, and a few others, you know, it just created so much more room for us. And, uh, and I know the game has changed. Obviously we'll probably touch on that a bit. Uh, but it, it's, it's such a different thing of how much that was an impact back in the day, having tough guys, big, strong guys that played hard. And, uh, it just made such a difference. See, and the big thing that I'll say is like being you guys having teammates, I'm sure you have a lot of tales to jump in with each other. But with Trevor Gillies, you know, we've had Gillies on this show and we're looking forward to having a part two with Trevor in the future. And also he's been on shows and podcasts like Spit and Chicklets, of course, to shoot one out there and the stories. Okay, that Gillies brought to the show. His show to date is the longest show that we've recorded on these special edition shows. And you know what? Like he was telling stories about when he played, he brought yourself up and Brooksy and how you guys are actually all together in a wedding party, I believe. Brooksy, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're definitely right. You know, uh, that's how close uh, of friends we became. I knew Trevor since I was 15 and and Yabber fit right in. And, uh, you know, and him and Trevor developed a a bond that you can just see, you know, and it, and it was instant and, uh, you know, and it's kind of crazy. And I, and I, we're going to ask Jeremy about it, uh, you know, about the time they fought and what it's like to fight your, one of your best friends, because it's something I've never done. Uh, I don't know if I could do it, but you know, this was their job of what they did and they went out and did it. And at the same time, you know, they were friends at the end of the end of it. And they really, if you go online or on YouTube and watch this fight, it was toe to toe. I don't even know how you guys stood for so long. I've watched it a hundred times. I show it to everybody. Uh, it was, it was a war. Can you talk about that for us? Yabo? just give us a little uh, insight on that, what it was like. And, uh, and the buildup, you probably called each other before the game. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, you know, it was so funny because when we were we were both in Peoria with Brooksy in the East Coast Hockey League, and we both got called up to the American League. That was our goal, right? And um, get to the American League, get to the NHL. So I went to Worcester, and I think Gills went to to Manchester at that time. And um, yeah, we called each other before the thing, and we're like, yeah, we're like, you know, we'll fight. Like it wasn't a big deal because the one thing about Trevor and me is is, is we understand our role very well. Um, the loyalties to the jersey, and I, I'm a big component for doing that like your loyalties to the jersey for that game i don't care who you're up against and i proved it by fighting you know literally one of my best friends and we've done it multiple times and um, i'll never forget the first couple fights we had we had two fights um in the one game in uh in worcester and we had like two just wild fights and i'll never forget we went in after the, the, the period and terry virtue and actually, it was funny because when we were going to the penalty box after the second fight, we actually high-fived each other. And the crowd was going crazy in, in Worcester. And, you know, but it, it is what it is. Like, we literally try to knock each other's teeth out. Like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, it, it's true. Like, the one fight in, in, uh, when I was in Binghamton, um, you know, I, had to, I, had, I got a, a bump on my forehead. It, it turned into, like, this cartilage in my head up there. I, I literally had to go get it surgically removed. It looked like I had a little horn. <laughs> you know i mean we had some wild fights but go back to the worcester days you know and we're rookies we're just like young 20 year olds 21 whatever 
And uh, Terry Virtue, who's on our team, was was one of the older guys. And we go to the locker room, and he goes, "Yabs," he goes, "You and your fucking buddy are crazy." He's like, "I've never seen anything like that." And I was like, "Oh, you know, Virtue's just you know do, doing my job, right?" But it was we were doing our job, and we're trying to do it. He was he was a heavyweight in that team. I was in this team, and we were just we're not going to hold back. And after the game, we would meet up in the hallways and literally, you know, talk and hug. And I'll never forget. There was somebody that was down there and they, and we heard him say, they're like, Hey, isn't that those guys that just had that fight? They were kind of whispering <laughs> and you know, but that's the way it is. Literally hugs after the game, the big fight we had in Binghamton, there's a great fight. Me and Gills had, you know, all our fights were, you know, give or take, they're, they're all, all really even fights, but hard fought. And one of our, we had a great one in Binghamton. My dad actually flew in for, for, he was in town um, for that. And we were all hugging after the game, you know, Gills is hugging B- Big L and all of us and people are like, my God, they're like, how do you guys do that? But it's just, you know, we know our roles. We love our roles. That's the other thing. We really love what we did. And that makes a big difference. Honestly, like like Brooksy said, fight even fight one of your best friends. That's hard. Like you, I feel like someone like Brooksy, you you were a fighter though too, Brooksy. You got a couple big fights, and I know there's one. I forget who it is. Top of my mind, I think it was Rip Ripken. Was it was it that? Is that who the fight is on YouTube? Uh, yeah, Rick Ripken. Yeah, yeah, that's that's who it is. That's right. And you know what? Obviously, you knew how to throw down, and you know what? To see these two heavyweights go at it, I've watched that YouTube video. I could I could not agree more on how. You guys are able to stand, but to fight your own like best friend, I feel like I would, if that was me, I'd be laughing, which means my toughness level would be lower. Not that there's much there anyways to begin with, but I feel like it'd go down and I wouldn't be able to take it as serious. But you brought up a good point there, Jeremy, was that just a loyalty to the jersey. You knew your role and, you know, maybe there was a little bit of trying to prove who's tougher in fights. Is that fair to say? Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, everybody's looking to wear the to be the champ, right? And I mean, and, and I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's a natural thing, right? I mean, you want to be number one. You want to get the call ups. You want to get the the contracts, right? And and believe me, um, Trevor was one tough motherfucker. Like, I mean, man, if you go back to any of the fights we've had, like it was a fucking war. Like I come out with like a sore fucking head, hands hurt, like you're kind of like not sure what happens after those fights. You're just, you know, you're just like, wow, what a fight. I mean, they were, they were, they were pretty, they were pretty amazing. Definitely. Now, you know what, one thing I wanted to bring up, like speaking of fighting, it's almost kind of a quick turn here, but you know, obviously we're going to jump into talking about how, you know, with your fighting background, but Khabib, I, I'm sure that you obviously follow uh, the fight with UFC who, to bring up there's a i brought him bringing him up in specific because of how much of a specimen he is in the ring and i, I kind of you know th- when he w- is in the ring the guy went undefeated before he called it quits at the time of this recording who knows what's going to happen a couple months or weeks down the road or whatever it may be but have you watched what he's done as a career and how he was upbringing that fighting like i know it's kind of a big turnaround from what we were talking about but i wanted to bring up khabib before we jumped in too much into the show and uh, if you kind of followed what he did yeah, definitely. You know, I've seen a lot of what he did. They you know the stuff they put on TV about him and and his growing up and stuff. And I mean, he's a he's an amazing fighter. He's uh, you know, you start doing MMA fights, you got to be very well rounded, and that's that, that that's him. He's he's got all all the talents, ground game, standing game. Um, he can kind of do it all, and I mean, he's 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 just damn good. So if it was you or Gillies against Khabib, who would be better off against Khabib? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's it's tough to say, you know. 
Well, well, you know what? Both of them are heavyweight, so they probably would pick them up and throw them out of the ring. That's, <laughs> that's what that, I guess. That would be it. Yeah, we, we, we obviously try and just overpower him. That's what you have to do at that point, um, you know, because he's good. I mean, I did a lot of MMA fighting. I've had some pro fights. You know, I was a black belt in Muay Thai. I fought that for years, and, you know, I just did a lot of training. So I love the striking art of, of the UFC. Love the striking art of boxing, obviously. But, um, you know, those guys are so well-rounded on the ground, too, that, you know, if they get you locked up on the ground, they can do some crazy stuff, even as a little guy. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, being a – I just got to, you know, say – because I'm really curious because, you know, this is something I didn't know, uh, you know, and we've been friends a long time. But I'm curious, you know, like how did you get into boxing? You know, to be a novice Golden Glove champion, uh, that's that's just such an amazing accomplishment. And I'm, I'm just curious, how did you get into boxing to start with? You know, it was amazing. So um, in my hometown, Meadow Lake, um, we had a guy – um, he passed away a couple years ago, but our, our boxing coach and close friend, his name is Jim Kirby. They called him Jim the Rip Kirby when he boxed. Um, great guy. He actually got to train Lennox Lewis at one time before Lennox Lewis won the gold medal for Canada way back in the day. And he moved to a metal lake and a little town outside and some friends, uh, actually Tom Gray was a principal at the junior high, got him to open up a boxing club. And then, so I was like, Hey, I want to go try this out. And we were really young at the time, and I just something I just stuck with, you know, hockey and boxing. That's that's just what I did, and um, I was very lucky to be trained under Jim. I mean, he was just an amazing guy, a mentor, you know, growing up as well, and being able to learn some of the stuff we got to from him was great. We had like four or five guys that we all stuck together, and what was good was he was told he's like, you know, you train these guys like pros. And he's like, you can't do that. They're young. And everybody literally went around the country and, and did great. So um, that's how that all started. And then it's something I just continued to do later when I got to Boise and I ended up living there full seasons. I wanted to keep doing the boxing training. So I met up with Nate Pettit, who was tr- training a lot of the UFC guys, or Scott Georgensen, who was a UFC fighter. And I just wanted a place to train. And then I started training with these guys and doing all the different kinds of training. And then finally one day they're just like, hey, Gabs, you, know, you should get in a fight. Like, you could do this. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sign me up in the off season, you know. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm doing these, you know, these, these pro fights in the, in the MMA, which I had a great time with. And um, it was a great learning experience. Well, from, from what I remember, did you not enter the ring with your hockey jersey on from um, Boise? Yeah, that, I did. I, I did. I did the one fight. I, I maybe didn't enter with it, but – I got up on the cage and because I I played there before, so I was, I was well known in the city and everybody knows how great Boise is. Um, but then they threw me my Jersey up when I was on top of the cage. Uh, so I was kind of waving it, you know, just to kind of get with the crowd. It, it was pretty odd. It was an awesome feeling. Yeah, that, must that have been place, a great experience. It was a great experience. Yeah. See, and that's cool. And the big thing about the UFC and boxing is that I feel they're different. Obviously, they're different, obviously. But as someone who's a fan of fighting myself, I, I really enjoy watching. I've always been more of a fan of the boxing. I don't know if that's kind of because I, I grew up watching Rocky Balboa uh, a lot in my day. But in general, from your experience and kind of being involved in it, do you feel – uh, that the difference is now in favor of UFC, that the boxing arts is more so on the side and UFC is a front runner. Is that, I know that's pretty obvious, but with that and on top of that, do you, do you have one that you prefer more over the other? Um, well, definitely you did hit a good topic there. UFC did take the world by storm, right? It came in, it was this un- unbelievable fighting. I mean, you know, 
it, it was a whole new thing, right? Other than boxing, a different excitement. Um, and they're, they're totally two different avenues, right? You can't really compare them. Um, boxing, I've, I've always loved boxing because obviously I do like the striking. Um, it's just a pure striking. It's a pure old school, classic warrior way to, way to, you know, to battle somebody. Um, but then UFC is great as well because it has, it's so dynamic, right? Now you can, now you can kick, now you can punch, now you can do a flying knee, now you can choke somebody out, all that kind of stuff. I'm not a big component of, you know, I had to learn all the jujitsu and the wrestling. I had some amazing D1 wrestlers I got to work with in Boise that helped me, um, that literally just tossed me around like a little bitch in the training. Um, and that's how I learned, you know, to get out of stuff because you have to learn that component. Everybody knows you're a good striker. Well, they're going to try and take you down. So you have to know how to, you know, defend against that. Right. Um, so that, that helped a lot, but they're two, two both exciting. If I had just one, if I just had to pick one, it would be boxing. You know, it was a young, I was young when I started. I love it. I think it's just an old school way of warriors go at it. So, uh, but they're still, but they're both good. It's almost similar to hockey. It isn't. I know you got to hear your feet, but like when you're in hockey, it's fist, 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 fist. It's not kicking. It's not nothing like that. There's more of that warrior. That was a great, a great example of it. Brooks. Yeah. yeah, no, I just, you know, it's amazing, you know, with all this fighting and, you know, tough guy and everything. You know, a lot of people won't realize you have a master's of international business, you know, um, which is amazing, you know, because it's, uh, you know, probably probably think, oh, this tough guy, you know, not educated fans who don't know actually how much goes into fighting and the videotaping and all this stuff. Uh, and you know what I mean? I, I know that how you and Gilly studied everyone. And, uh, you know, were you, you know, with all this studying, did you take that into, you know, getting into education and get your master's and, and dealing with people and reading people and, and all of this, you know, how, how did you decide to go into this? You know, definitely just, I think anything you do, like obviously you love fighting, you love hockey. So we, we were students of the game, right. Including yourself, Brooksy. And, and we were so passionate about the game, you know, Gills himself, he's very passionate about the game. So are you like, it, it's, it's to the point where hockey is was almost emotional and if it, if it wasn't a little bit emotional I'd almost be mad at people because that's how seriously and passionate we were for the stuff I think it's anything we do in life we're kind of wired that way so if I want to do this I want to find something I want to be involved in you want to be passionate about what you're doing so you just put that just put the effort towards it right and I think that's how we just kind of handle ourselves through life you know, I gotta say one thing as I didn't go for the business masters or sorry masters, well in business or even international business for that fact. But I did business as an as a education university, and a lot of people say, well, business is kind of a generic thing that you just jump into if you don't know what else you're doing. I've been told that one time, and it was by a professor, and I remember shaking my head saying, how can you say that? Because I think business is one of the more difficult kind of courses to take because you're taking a lot of different kind of courses in that. And for someone like yourself to be the role that you did in hockey and even outside the rink with, with fighting and just to have that background, that's also a good security blanket for yourself, right? Where you were pursuing that side of education for as a, I wouldn't want to say a fallback because of hockey, that's not fair to say at all, but you know, there was something that you were able to do and put your mind to outside of hockey or even fighting. Definitely. Right. You know, I mean, hockey is, you know, it's a, it's unfortunate, you know, it's, it's, it, it can't last forever. Right. It's one of those things that, you know, when you're going through it, you, you look ahead and you're like, wow, okay. Um, I got all these years to play. Um, but you know, at some point it has to end. Right. 
And then, you know, that time becomes very real and, and one day it'll slap you in the face and you're like, you know, hockey's kind of done and it's time to, you know, change over. Um, so you have to have something there or you have to have an idea of what you want to do. And it's never easy. Don't get me wrong. It's never easy to transition from sp- pro sports, I don't believe, um, because it's, it's hard to be around in a regular job and have the loyalty and the brotherhood that you have. I mean, I know a lot of guys, you know, go through the military and stuff, which is amazing because they do well because they're so loyal and they, they know how to handle that brotherhood and be part of a real brotherhood. But some of the work out there, um, you don't get that in, in the day-to-day stuff, right? And you don't have the stuff where you're competing so hard together, you know, whether it's, you know, you're to, to climb that mountain, to win that cup. Um, so it, it, it is a big, big change leaving hockey, um, you know, when you look at it from that aspect. Time is undefeated. You know, time catches up. It does. Yeah. It does, right? Well, you know, you know why we're doing this today with you. I want to talk a bit about your hockey and you know how this all started for you. You know, you playing in the Dub. Um, you know, one of the best leagues in the world for junior hockey. Um, you started off with the Edmonton Ice, Kootenay Ice. You know, talk to me a little bit about you know uh, how you got to the Edmonton in the you know, how that was, you know, moving away from home. I know it's not too, too far, I guess, but it's it's a long way. It, well, it actually is pretty far away, I think, from Meadow Lake, isn't it? Edmonton? It's about, Edmonton's about four hours, yeah. And then obviously, Kootenay's yeah. a lot further because, you know, you're way out in BC, but. <laughs> yeah. You know, but boy, going to going that far, you know, and taking that step to play in that junior level and move up and you go from junior to the coast and all that, which we'll jump into, of course. But to answer Brooksy's question, Jeremy, like, how was that to, you know, just to have that move, move young and go play junior in the W, et cetera? You know, it, it, it was good. You know, there, there's obviously a learning curve. And I, I left a year before, so I left Meadow Lake. Um, I played AAA midgets, um, you know, I was 15 in, in Prince Albert, which was about three others, three hours away. So we don't have a AAA league in, in Meadow Lake, but I, I did over Prince Albert. I got to live with a, a coach of mine that I did coach me in Meadow Lake. He moved over there, Mike Chowalis, and I got to live with him. It was great. I got to live with a great friend of mine, Jordan Swatsky. Um, him and his family and all our friends were, were still best friends to this day. Um, they're just like family to us as well. But that was my first experience being away from home home. And, and you know, thank God for Jordan that was there with me because he helped out, you know, a lot because you're young. You're 15, you're moving away from home, and – and, you know, yeah, I was a little wild when I was young. I'm not going to lie. You know, we all like to do some crazy stuff when we're young and you get away from home. So it was nice to have a partner there with me along for that first year, that's for sure. But then moving on to the Western Hockey League, you know, that was that was the goal, right? Um, I was drafted a couple years before in the Bantam draft to the Kelowna Rockets. So the year while I was playing in uh, Prince Albert for AAA Midget, I got traded um, to the Edmonton Ice. You know, so it was fine. So next year, so I went over to Edmonton. It wasn't a, a guarantee, but I did make the did make the squad, which was awesome, which was my goal. And then um, that was good. You know, I had a good first rookie season there and some great people to play with. Um, and then um, the next year, I remember, well, that year leaving, you know, had our, our year-end meetings, and they're like, hey, Yabs, you know, we're not going to be here next year. I'll, I'll never forget them saying that we're going to be in Cranbrook, B.C., or else we'll be in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> it was so funny because <laughs> years later I ended up in Boise. But um, – um, and then the next year it was down there, you know, take the long trip to Kootenay and, you know, but it was great. Um, I had great billets still. We had a great group of guys, you know, our team won the, won the Memorial cup there that year. Um, you know, so a lot, a lot of good stuff come out of, out of, out of the WHL for me, a lot of good experience, a lot of learning too, a lot of learning, sh- a lot of shit that I needed to learn 
how to be, you know, committed, how to be a professional. Um, it, it was really good. Ryan McGill was one of my coaches and Corey Clouston was another coach who I got to learn a lot from who later I played for Corey Clouston in the Ottawa centers organization in Binghamton as well, which was really good. And I still learned things from him, you know, years down the road. So you can see how, how small that world is, but the WHL was a, was a really good place to go. And I was, it was, I was so happy I got to play in that league. It's such a tough fucking league too. I must say like, I think in the early thousands, that was the toughest. No, it was talent was there as well, obviously, but saying outside of talent, it was the toughest junior league. I, I think that's fair to say between the W, between the Q and, and the O, you got to say that the W is light years beyond toughness when it was in that day in the thousands and nineties and all that kind of range, it even might still be the tougher league. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I do agree with you hundred percent. And not just because I played there, but you look at the guys that have come out of the Western Hockey League and the totality, not that there wasn't tough guys in Ontario or the no. Q League, but the totality of guys in the league, you're like, wow, every team had like two legit tough guys. And a lot of those tough guys end up being tough guys, you know, and made their way to the NHL or to the American League and played a lot of years. Um, so it was definitely a good league to play in. I think that was the league that mostly mimicked the NHL on the way the schedules were, the travel schedules. I mean, the travel schedules were long. Um, bus rides were extremely long. Games were tough. You had to play tough. They were demanding a lot of you. Um, it was a great league to, to to learn and develop in. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good point. The travel people don't think of that. That that when you look back and play when you play when Brooksy played even when I played a junior hockey that you look back at the bus travel you're like holy my god the time that you spent on a bus to travel between games. But that's ex- people don't think that might be as exhausting as it seems, but it is. There is such thing as bus legs. Like, like it's insane. And the travel in the W I think is a lot more I'd say kind of di- I want to say difficult may not be the right word, but in comparison to the OHL I think the OHL might have better travel than what the W does. But nonetheless you know when you were on the ice you had an eventful journey when you played hockey right it was like i like i'll say here it was even on the ice playing and also back and forth to the penalty box i want to make sure i had that note come on with that (laughs) (laughs) definitely (laughs) yes now with going undrafted to go from pro like right up from junior to that to that pro level right and how did that all work out for you that journey from junior up into the professional level right from the junior level to the coast to the to the to the american hockey league etc how that how did that fully go how did those steps come forth for you you know it's interesting so when i was a 20 year old um, I got a big suspension and exhibition, you know, go figure at a line brawl and stuff. And, and Kootenai oh. traded me. So there's actually, oh, there's only some of the stats you can find this on. This is no joke. I, um, I got traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds mm. and Dean Schnelth was the coach there. And, um, so I went over there as a 20 year old. And so finally I got off my suspension. I played, I think the guys were on the road for the first few games. So our first home game, home opener, was my first season game back. So I played one official game with them. And believe it or not, I scored two goals. I'm not even shitting. It was amazing. I was like, wow, this is going to be a great year as a 20-year-old, right? But at the end of the game, a bunch of stuff happened. Um, I was in the box, and then the league said I jumped off the box at the end of the game, which which I, I, I did. As, you know, you jump out of the box at the end of the game to go congratulate the goalie, right? You all know that. But then I end up getting into a fight with a guy and some stuff. So I got another suspension. So then Dean was like, you know, yeah, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you here um, because, you know, we might have to bring another 20-year-old in. So then I called uh, the guys who were helping me out, Kevin Epp and stuff, and they were down in Phoenix in the West Coast Hockey League. And they're like, yeah, I was like, you know, we could use you guy like down here, young rookie. And I was like, shit, sign me up. So I jumped in my <laughs> Explorer, ripped down there and got into the West Coast Hockey League, which was 
which was a big eye opener. I mean, you go from junior hockey to playing with like men and guys that, you know, played in the NHL and some real tough guys. Like I'll never forget, like we got put out there one shift. This was like, I thought it was like almost fake. So if you guys heard of Serge Roberge, he was, he was a fucking maniac and tough. And then, so I had him on my line and the other guy I had in my line was Darren Banks. If you guys know who Darren Banks is, oh yeah, he's a big fucking dude. And so I'm this like 20 year old in with these guys, and I'll never ever forget Serge Roberge. He's got the French accent, you know, and he was like, we're on the face off, and he's hitting this guy, and I was looking over, and we're getting ready to line up, and he's like, hey you, he's like, you want to dance with the devil? You want to dance with the devil? And I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, this guy's crazy, you know, and he ended up fighting the guy and just. Um, just annihilated. I'm just like, holy crap. That whole year, not one guy fought Darren Banks. I think everybody was scared of him because he's a big human being and I would not want that guy to grab a hold of me. <laughs> That's you saying that. That's you saying that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're 20 years old, now you're thrown in with, with like like men who have like, they're seasoned men. It's like, wow, it's an eye opener. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn your stripes. That's for sure. Yeah, Brooksy. Yeah, I have a question. Do you remember who the first guy you fought was in pro? Mm. Oh God. Um, Do you even remember? Was there one that uh, that that stood out for you, like for the so first for, time? Uh, not really. I think I, I left. You know, when I left junior, you know, my year in in AAA midget and a couple fights, and obviously going into the West Western Hockey League, it just happened. Not that I was a, per se a fighter. I was a hard worker. I was a hitter. Right. That's what I did. My skating. Hard work, hit, drive the net, right? And so when I went to the junior hockey league um, to camp, all I would remember was like, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to drive to the net every time and hit guys like crazy. And when I was doing that, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to fight me. And it was fine because I was cleaning house at camp, right? Um, and that was great. So that just become part of my role and I loved it. And so I, I did a lot of it, uh, even going into pro. And I don't remember who my first fights were that year. I had a lot of good fights though, that year in Phoenix and stuff. So... Um, it was, um, I don't remember who the first guy was though. I was going to say, maybe it was Serge Roberge at practice. <laughs> no, actually dude, <laughs> as a teammate, Serge Roberge was awesome. I will say that he was a good dude. He took me under his wing, him. We had Craig Martin there as well. Another big guy that was tough as nails. Um, yeah, um, we had a good crew and, and Serge was, he, he was a good guy. He, he really was a good teammate. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you know what, you obviously through the American Hockey League, you had a lot of kind of history. And there was one thing that I want to bring up, obviously, with Peoria, with you guys playing, then you're over in Cincinnati with the Mighty Ducks. I love the Mighty Ducks name. Not gonna lie. I think it's one of my favorite names that reminds me back of the movie days. However, when you were told at the pro ranks, after you obviously come from junior and you went to Phoenix and you jump up to that level, the coaches obviously knew who they were getting with yourself, obviously. But you obviously had some sniping. And look at those two goals that you had in Seattle. So there was something in there that uh, they they maybe could have saw with that. But nonetheless, when you were when you were brought up to these teams, were coaches pulling you aside and kind of telling you, "Hey, this is what we expect of you. Like this is what we want you to do," or tapping you on the shoulder on the bench and being like, "Hey, that's your guy now. Go get him." Stuff like that. Is that kind of what you were kind of told to do, or were you told that to be that energy guy on that fourth line just to set the tone? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I never had to get, I, I always knew my role. I never had to say, hey, go do this, do that. You know, when I talk to coaches, they're, they're like, hey, we love your physicalness. We love your energy. Obviously, you know, stick up for your teammates when you need to. That's all I was ever told and asked of. But, you know, I, I did the job that I loved. 
so that was great. I knew my role. Um, I knew if I got something happened wild on the ice and I got thrown out there right away, or, you know, they'd call, hey, Smitty, get off. Yeah, he's a defenseman. Yeah, just get out there. I knew what I had to do. Um, I knew the guy, you know, that you know took liberties against the guy, so now they have to, you know, answer to the answer to me, right? Um, and that, that's just something I always enjoyed. I, I loved the most about hockey was the physicalness, the energy of the game, and the intensity. Um, I love the intensity of hockey. Well, I remember, yeah, both. Sorry, sorry Dave, oh, cut good. you off there. Yeah. I remember when we played together, and this is just to explain to the listeners what goes in as there's a time and a place for everything. And I find the best fighters and the best, like, uh, tough guy teammate you could have is one of those guys who knew when the right time was to get a fight. You know, I played with guys that would take dumb penalties at terrible times. And I know for a fact, like, I remember we were up, I think, 3-1. It was a big game. I can't remember what it was for. I just know it was a big game because I was like, wow. That was where I noticed, you know, that you knew exactly who you were as a hockey player and what you needed to do for the team to win. Because there was a guy that was pissing you off all night, and I know you wanted to kill him. And I remember we were up 3-1. It was the third period, and he wanted to fight you, and you were like, nope, it's not happening. It was almost like this is going to happen when it's right for my team, not for me. And it was a pretty amazing thing to see as a guy. And I know I probably never told you that, but but sitting down, that's like a thing that I noticed about you and a few other guys like Trevor that I played with over the years. It's it's pretty amazing. The um, I don't even know what it is, the patience or what you guys know when it is the right time and when it is not. No, I appreciate the kind words, Brooksy, you know, and, and I do agree that there, there's something else about the whole fighting that a lot of people don't see or, or maybe a regular fan doesn't understand because you, you can't be just a liability on the ice. I mean, you know, you can't just fight um, place for you. you just want to go and run around and, and grab guys for no reason. You get penalties, you know, your team gets scored on on, on the, uh, the other teams on the power play. You know, there's a right time to do it. There's a right time to fight when it says, hey, you know, yeah, well, you, you want to have a fight? And you can say, yeah, fuck, let's do it, right? You can do that. He's trying to get his team going. You're trying to get your team going. But then you got some little shits running around trying to fight for, you know, just because, you know, it's like, dude, I don't need to fight you right now. You know, I'll fight you when I want, right? At the end of the day, the loyalties to the jersey. You're not there to, to pump your own ego in a sense. You're there to do what's right for the logo on the front. And that comes first. And that's one thing I learned, you know, through junior and then obviously going into pro. And that, that's... I think that's a skill in itself, other you know, of people that just are fighting. See, one thing I'll say, and then I think Gilly's even said this on the show, is that like when you have a guy like Brooksy or you have a, a top six guy in your lineup who is a guy who's going to score goals for you, put up the numbers on the board, and they drop the gloves and fight, you know, they, they're taking something away from someone who is in that role of fighting, right? And guys like Gilly's, and he told us on the show, was – that he would he would dislike that he would basically give his teammates shit essentially say hey you took that from me is that is that fair to say that that does happen or if you have your star fighting another guy who may not be of equal talent or even just having a fight that's basically your job when you're an enforcer that's what you're there to do uh, I, I, I myself personally I don't see it that way like I I've seen Brooksy fight and and to me like there's a lot of guys that that don't fight regularly and although Brooksy can fight really good. Um, there's other guys that will f- just fight when they have to because they'll, they'll stand up for themselves. 
they know that they might be outmatched and they're like, well, this has happened. This guy just, he's going to jump me and they'll go ahead and do it. They'll, and they're good enough to protect themselves. Maybe they might not get the better of the fight. But to me, that shows a lot of heart in a player. And you earn a damn lot of respect from your team, your coaches, when you're not a fighter and you do answer the bell when you need to, you earn a lot of respect. I get so pumped up for guys. Obviously, if there's a crazy, crazy mismatch, like, um, you know, a big heavyweight and the other team grabs, you know, one of your little guys, well, that's, you know, that's a problem. But anywhere else, it's like, you know what, those guys, they get a lot of respect for doing that. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing that they do that. I think Trevor, I think for Trevor, it was, uh, it was more about keeping that guy or himself, because I know that that's what bothered Trevor is when a guy that we needed on the ice fought a guy that was a little bit out of his weight class. And, you know, yeah, it was great and he loved it. But it was the fact that, you know what, you risk getting hurt, which would hurt the team. And I think that's what Trevor's point was when he used to get mad at guys when they would fight somebody they shouldn't because they risk making the team a little bit worse by not having you on the ice. I I really believe that's how he meant. And when you look at it, when you talk about from that perspective, that's a different perspective that, that there's a lot of truth to that too. So I'll agree to that too. I don't want some big guy grabbing our top goal scorer and taking him out, give him a concussion. Um, I, I've had that happen where guys have grabbed, you know, line brawls against our, our team when I wasn't on the ice. And, and then when they came back around to play them again, you know, I have, I have a story that, you know, me and Matt Nickerson cleaned up a whole fucking line one time because these guys jumped, give our goalie a concussion and a line brawl up in Alaska. So when they come to play us, we literally took out the whole line um, because, you know, that again, that's, you know, from that perspective, I do agree with Gills on that. See, and there's, and speaking of kind of teammates, I wanted to bring up one that I was really curious about. And uh, we obviously go back source forth with uh, guests with different stories they've had with teammates. But one that I was always curious about, like as a fan of watching the game and now uh, doing the media side of, of the game is, I was curious to know about Ilya Brzgalov. Okay, I, I know you played with him. Uh, I, can, I can't recall the amount of games. But I know he was quite the character when he was in the National Hockey League with the Ducks and, of course, the Flyers. Uh, like, was his persona, the way he was on media, on TV, was it the same that he was in the locker room? I mean, um, I, I, I don't think so. He, You know, old Rizzy was a good guy. But, you know, the stuff that I remember, I think I was – God, I ended up playing, I spent a couple months there in Cincinnati. You know, there's some great guys in that team as well. But um, it was, I, I don't think he was overly crazy or anything. And, and what I got from him, he was just, just a good teammate, right? I didn't see anything that was too off the beaten path, at least what I can remember. Nothing with break, like being scared of bears or anything like that was kind of in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it was just... Um, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know. Yeah, I never really, really thought of that. <laughs> Brooksy. No, I just, uh, you know, you also played with Martin Gerber, who I got to know, and uh, <laughs> he was such a, he was a beauty. And I got, to, I actually met him when I was playing in Switzerland, and uh, there was a really good guy and actually a really good goaltender in that Ducks organization for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Gerbs, yes, 100%. 100%. You know, and it's funny, I've come across some really, memorable goaltenders um another memorable goaltender i have just from a work ethic standpoint uh, was thomas vokun when we were in nashville 
And, you know, I trained in the summer there. I lived all summer in Nashville and trained um, when the off season is there. And I'll, I'll never forget the guy's work ethic was phenomenal. That guy worked so hard. It made like everybody have to work harder. What he did in, in the training room, the weight room, on the ice, it was amazing the effort and the hours that guy put in. See, that's big goalies. Like it's it's a more difficult game for goalies. You only have two a spot that make the starting lineup, right? And that's for forwards. You obviously got 12 forwards playing. Uh, you got six defensemen playing. You got a couple that are in and out of the lineup. But being a goaltender, they always say that they're the weirdest breed. But really, they kind of have to be the <laughs> kind of a different breed because they're in a different spot than it is to be a player. It's a lot more difficult being a successful goaltender, in my opinion, to make that level because it's the amount of space there is on a team. Definitely, definitely. And then another good friend of ours, and me and my wife still to this day, um, uh, was Pekka Rene. So, you know, we spent like three years in, 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 in the, the American Hockey League with Pekka before he ended up being full-time in Nashville. And he just became an unbelievable goalie. But he was such a great guy. He wasn't too much of a weirdo like maybe some of the goalies. You people say are they weirdos. He was just a great team guy, a great guy to be around on off the ice. He was awesome, and still to this day, like um, you know, I got to play against him in the KHL even a little bit, and we got to hook up when we were over there. He was he was another goalie that just memorable and just a great person. See, I know Scott Darling, uh, when we had Scott Darling on the show, he gave a quick shout-out to Pekka Rene when he was looking at the other end when the Chicago Blackhawks were playing against Nashville in the playoffs. And he said, oh. that's the best goalie that he has played against is Pekka Rene. Like, and that he said, this, the, just the looking down the ice and seeing who's playing against, he was like shit in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he's he become a little, I mean, look, he's a star, right? I mean, he done very well for himself. He did. Brooksy. Yeah, no, well, I want to get back to you and, uh, you know, what uh, people don't re- probably know, the listeners, you know, you were a Kelly Cup champion, a Calder Cup champion, you know, at the minor levels, those are tough, tough ones to win. You know, uh, you know, I know the, the Stanley Cup is probably the hardest one they say to win. But, you know, at those minor league levels, you go through the same thing the NHL guys do just at the league below. And uh, it's pretty amazing that you were able to win both of those. You know, I'm, I'm just curious about, you know what that celebration was like for you. And, you know, it's rare to win both of those. And, uh, you know, that's a huge accomplishment. Definitely, definitely. And very lucky to be parts of just great teams. You know, and you look back, okay, the winning teams we've all been on, whether you want a cup or come close to it. I mean, just a great group of guys that would do anything for each other. You know, the core group that are on those teams, you know, we had so much fun on the ice, so much fun off the ice. Everybody stuck together. Um, so definitely those experiences were amazing and unforgettable. Amazing. You know, that's, uh, that's so good there, Yabo. And I was really, I'm really happy for you that you were able to do that. Um, you know, I also, I want to get into, you know, what it was like for your first NHL game, you know, getting that phone call. I want to know what was going through your mind because it's a call that everyone dreams of. And I just want to hear about your experience. Was it expected? Was it unexpected? I just want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So it was definitely, um, it definitely like wasn't expected at the time per se. Um, so I'll never forget this. So we had a couple games, um, literally. So I, there was like the, the few games we had before I got called up. Me and Gills fought twice, the one game. And then Portland Pirates came to town. I fought Mel Engelstadt, who's tough as fucking nails. And then I fought some other guy on their team. So I'd like, 
I think I ended up having like five fights in the two games um, before I got called up. But anyways, I remember we had, I went out, to, went out to the movie. It was me, Virtue, Terry Virtue, a couple other guys. They took me to the movies, right? And then Don Granado was, my phone's ringing. I'm like, oh shit, it's coach. So I, the movie was just about to start. So I went out and I was like, hey coach, you know what's happening? He goes, yeah, was, how are your hands and stuff? And, and I knew right away because Philadelphia Phantoms were coming in the next night. And they had a tough group of guys. You know, Philly always had a tough group. And I'm like, oh, coach, they're great. And I was like, you know, a little bit, you know, my face was marked up from all the fights, but I was like, I'm good. He's like, all right, yeah, Jesus, it'll be a limo to pick you up uh, like four in the morning. He's like, you're going up to St. Louis. And I was just like, what the hell? That was like, wow. I was like, you know, it was kind of, it wasn't, it was surreal. So I went back in, I sat down, and I was like, Virch, I was like, coach just told me I'm called up to St. Louis tomorrow. He's like, oh, that's awesome, bud, you know. And so I remember sitting and watching the movie, and I was just like, holy shit, it was pretty crazy. And then obviously the whole, you know, the experience of going up there, being there in in, in preseason and stuff and at camp in St. Louis that year was just amazing, right? Uh, Just to be a part of that atmosphere and see what it's like in an NHL camp and, you know, the locker room. And then obviously getting called up, you're just like, you know, you have Dougie Waite there, Keith Kachuk, Chris Pronger. Um, Al McInnes was still part of the organization. Then he was was injured. Um, and I got to skate and get bagged every day um, when I wasn't playing with Al, <laughs> which was I mean, which was amazing, right? I mean, and it was surreal. I'll never forget going out on the ice to the game, and I was like, wow, like it's like it was a dream come true, you know, skating out behind Kachuk and Dougie Waite, and I was like, this is amazing. And just you know, going out for that the, that pregame skate out on the ice, it was just like wow, you know, it's kind of it was overwhelming, a little bit surreal. See, and you got in a tilly that game, I believe, right? Yep, yep. I chased that piece of shit Brashear around, um, that <laughs> fucking pretender. He's nothing but a fucking, you know, that guy. I, I, I don't care for him. Um, he's a spot picker, you know. He and fuck, I know. I talked to guys that played with him. I got good friends that played with him, so I know all about him and his fucking antics. But that piece of shit wouldn't didn't fight. He's like, oh, I don't need to fight you, because you know what? He had everything to lose, nothing to gain. But my mentality in that is, you know, fuck that. I was a rookie in the American League, East Coast Hockey League. And anytime a rookie comes up and they're like, hey, you give me a goal, I was like, hell yeah. Like, I was there once, right? And so I was running around. He wouldn't fight. And my and the team was great. Like, I mean, Kachuk, all the guys were like, you know, fuck you, Brashear, you chicken shit. Like, fight him, you know? And so I went out and shift. And finally, Todd Fedora come out. So I played a little against Fedorik um, in the West Coast Hockey League. Or, sorry, the Western Hockey League. And he goes, yeah, I was all fight. So I was like, all right, you know, so me, me, me and the fridge had a fight. And he's a tough guy, too. Don't get me wrong. Fedora can fight. He's had... That guy's had battles with a lot of the heavyweights in the, in the NHL for a lot of years. Um, so it was pretty awesome. I got a tilt in. You know, we did lose that game, which was which was shitty. But um, it was definitely a dream come true, unforgettable game. Well, listen, and there was a city that obviously last year got to, you know, win the Stanley Cup, the Gloria thing and everything like that. It's, you know, that was an atmosphere that was waiting for a cup for a long time, you know. Well, there's a there's fan bases, and I can tell you from being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan my whole life, I'm a sucker for pain, obviously. And St. Louis fans were craving a championship, and they had a lot of good teams. And you mentioned a t- the team that you just mentioned with Kachuk, Wade, Pronger, and those guys. They had a solid organization, and they still do. They do, and it was it was a long time coming for them. I was so excited to see the Cup go to St. Louis. I think that's such an amazing hockey town. They deserve to have a championship in that city. Um, so it, it was pretty awesome. When the, when the games were going, you know, during those playoffs, I was rooting for them. I mean, how could you not? 
Yeah, especially to beat Boston, not going to lie. Brooksy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I feel the same way. I was really happy because I was in St. Louis's organization for four years and uh, it was a great, you know, I mean, it was, I was really happy to see the same thing, you know, uh, to see them raise the cup and it'd been so long, you know, and uh, especially to see, you know, Al McKenna still a part of it and uh, to be able to, you know, be, to get the Stanley Cup that he'd been wanting for so long. And uh, I, I thought that was just a great thing. Uh, I want to move on, though. I want to talk about your time with uh, in bingo, you know, with the Senators. And, uh, you know, you spent a, mer- a fair amount of your time there in the AHL. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious about that city because every time our team that I was playing on came into bingo, they're always like, be safe, don't go anywhere. How did you feel? How did you feel living there? Oh my God, that city was amazing. I mean, you know, it was funny because when we were in Worcester, we played against Binghamton in in the playoffs the one year, and I'll never forget going into Binghamton, that barn and the crowd. I was like, you know, it was tough. It was a tough building to play in. I was like, holy shit, you know, this town was like rough and tough kind of a feeling. But then when I ended up living there and being there, I mean, talk about an amazing hockey community. And I didn't, you know, I'm sure there's issues in every city you could have, but I had such a great time in that city. And like, I would go back there in a heartbeat. I still got some great friends there. Um, and it, the city was great. I mean, it's, you know, it's a upstate New York town. The area around it's beautiful. The rolling hills, there's a lot of nice places. We got a lot of nice memories, me and my, my, my wife and daughter, about even being there, we talk about to this day. So we had a great experience there. See, uh, you know, there's one experience I'll bring out talking about the Senators organization, and it's about mostly Ottawa and where the rink is in Canada. I know it's a little bit separate than that and how I think that city needs to move that rink to more of a downtown Ottawa location because they need to start getting that fan base in there because Ottawa does have a, a passionate fan base. An organization is, you know, kind of – they're at that rebuilding phase at this current time that when we have this recording. So, like, they're – but they've had a lot of good talent come up in that organization – and you were you were there for a good number of your games in the American Hockey League, as Brooksy mentioned. And in that organization, you, they those were your best years in terms of career high in points, your highest penalty minutes. I think outside of Idaho, where I think you exceeded 300 in Idaho, if I remember correctly. But do you think playing in bingo, if you will, was that kind of the best experience that you had in the American Hockey League? Yeah, definitely. It, it was some of the high, the highs of my career. I was, I was at a very good place in playing the game well. You know, you know, at that point, it was really you had to be the, – the, the heavyweights could not be a liability. You had to be able to play the game. And, and those years moving into there, you know, with my first contract there and then my second one, just learning to have to play the game at that level. And that's where I really got a lot of my, my skills for the game, right? Obviously, I didn't score a lot, like a lot of goals, but the skills for not being a line of liability and they used to be able to play your role, you know, being thrown out there in, in any scenario and not have to worry about being scored on, right? That becomes such a big part of the game. And with a little bit of, you know, learning the game well, structurally, and then obviously my physicality with the skating and stuff, you know, that's what kept me there. That's what got me the playing time that I got when I was there. Yeah, for sure. They... Uh... You know, after that, you know, Yabo, you decided, you know, it's time to head over to Europe. You know, how did you decide that, you know, now is the time, you know, I'm kind of going to give up on that NHL trying to get back there. It's time for me to try something new. And how did you get the call to go to Russia of all places? 
Did they give you a call? Yeah, definitely. You know, I had, I had a couple calls from when I was still in when, when I played in Binghamton for a couple years, and somebody approached me. And I was like, you know, I wasn't ready to leave yet. I did leave Binghamton. I signed with the Islanders for the one year. Um, I sustained an injury. I ended up um, in um, exhibition, and the start of the year, I, I ended up tearing my quad tendon right off. Um, but my medial quad, believe it or not. And so I tried, I rehabbed for months, you know, played in the American League a little bit, rehabbed for months, couldn't get back, ended up having to have a surgery. And it was that, then I got the call again. And at that time, I guess, and you guys could attest to this, the, the role of the enforcer was kind of sliding out a little bit. And that's where I was like, okay, do I stick out another year and go back with the Islanders or another club, or do I move on to this other opportunity, right? And and, and now now look at this over in Russia. And that was the time, you know, I talked with my with my wife, and we made the decision. Yeah, you know, it was time to go over there and, and take a look at it. And um, I was definitely pleased when I did. I mean, I had just the greatest time in Russia. Yeah, I know your experience was a lot better than some. You know, <laughs> I, I know uh, that you just loved being a part of that uh, that team in Russia. And uh, I know I, I'm pretty sure that you're still close with a lot of people over there. Um, you know, I, I really recall like uh, one game I was watching highlights of you uh, with that team. And, and I remember uh, you were chasing somebody around the ice. Um because I know the, the owner there, he really loved fighting, and I'm pretty sure he would give bonuses if you got in a fight. But I remember watching it, and I remember you were doing anything to get anyone on the ice to fight you. And uh, was that part of the reason? Because you guys were going to get bonuses for fighting. No, actually, we didn't get bonuses for fighting, believe it or not. I mean, I, I've asked that question before. We actually had bonuses in our contract for scoring, believe it or not. Um, yeah, and, and that's Smart just, guy. The, the, yeah, Sorry that's guy. that's that's the honest truth, right? I mean, oh, you get bonus for fighting. I was like, no, it hadn't it didn't have anything to do with that. Um, we had some guys we wanted to settle the score with, you know, that maybe took a few liberties on some players um, in the past. Um, and you know, it was one of those things where it kind of maybe did get out of control. I probably went overboard. You know, I'm not even gonna say probably. I did go overboard a few times <laughs> on some of my antics over there. Um, obviously, that's what now I have an official rule in the khl rule book the Yablonski rule believe it or not so i mean that's kind of cool um, <laughs> <laughs> because they they, they they suspended me that year indefinitely at one point like i was never allowed to play in the khl ever again they banned me from the whole league and thank god that you know jamnov was our manager our owner the ownership group um they went to bat for me um even andre nazarov our coach and you know they got me back reinstated which i was which i was very happy for because um i did want to continue to play in the khl um you know and still bring the toughness but you know a, a, in a manner that that worked um for that league right so yeah like the Oblonsky. that's so sick to have a rule named after you that's probably the coolest thing i've ever heard <laughs> yeah yeah now now i look back and at first I'm like, oh god this is not good you know at first because you're like you're still playing you're like fuck there's this rule of me now i look back i'm like hey you know that's kind of cool i you know i made a mark there <laughs> Did no. you ever have any issues there getting paid? Because I know a lot of guys that we've had on the show, you know, they have some really funny stories about how they were paid, when they were paid, if they were paid. Uh, I'm just curious, did you ever have any issues with that? I know you guys were close with the owner, so you pro I'm assuming you did not, but uh, I'm just curious if you did. You know, I, I've never had an issue, and, and I, I've heard guys, like, rumors of that, and I even talked to guys, like, on our team there, and nobody's ever had an issue at least not not in Vitez. i mean i, I talked to guys that played there for a couple of years and they're like we've never had an issue 
Uh, maybe in some other organizations it could have could have happened. I never played for any other organization than Vita, so so I I couldn't say for sure. But I mean, our, our we never had an issue. Everything was very upfront, and um, it was great. And um, you know, one of our teammates there, Danny Markov, who is an absolute beauty of all beauties. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to play with him in Nashville a little bit and spend part of the summer with him when I trained there. But then we ended up playing in Russia together. And I talked to him, and he's like. He goes, I've heard, you know, this and other places, but we never had an issue there. So, I mean, all I can say is no, I, our, our, our payments came on the day, boom, very easy. So it's not like any kind of stories that we have heard, and spoiler alert, if anyone has not heard this particular episode yet or upload at this time, but David Ling. You know, there's one when he had the, the, the gun story when he goes into a room to get paid and there's guys with guns and a bag of cash. You know, I guess that didn't happen for you. <laughs> yeah, no, never had anything like that. And, and I'm not going to, and, and I'm not going to, and I don't know his situation. I don't know that, but I, I have heard stories of other people. Um, I don't know his story specifically. And there has been a lot of embellishment on some of the stories that have been told about people in Russia because they want to be fucking cool. And, 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 I, and I've done my, my fact checks and talking to other people that played with them, these people on these teams. And they're like, no, nothing even happened like that. And so, you know, these people want to have a fucking story about going over there and being crazy, you know, and most of them are full of shit. So, you know, I'm sure stuff has happened, but you know what? You, you heard know, it here. You, you know, go fuck here. yourself, you know, have, you know, um, and, and to me, you know, so that there's things like that that piss me off. You know, David Ling, whatever, I, I don't know his story, um, but, you know, that could be true. It could be not true. But, um, but f- for some others I've heard and stories going around, on talks and stuff, I was like, nope, nope, that's bullshit. No. <laughs> the, uh, you were also, you know, on that team, you were able to play with uh, NHL superstar, but he would have been a young little uh, little guy back then was uh, Panarin. You yeah. know, did you oh. see that talent that this Dude, kid had at a young I got age? A, I got a fucking story to tell you. Oh, I, fucking, I, I get, to, Ken, I get to, to, you know, get to Russia. I go in there the first day. I'll never forget... Um, uh, Timkin who's sitting next to me and we're guys there. And I'm like, I see this guy across the room. And I'm like, I honestly thought this guy was a fucking stick boy. Um, <laughs> Cause he was like, when he come to play with us, he was like 19. Yeah. And I was like, who's this guy? And Timkin, he could speak English. He's like, Oh, he's like, fuck. He's like, he's one of the best young guys. Like, like in Russia comes from this team and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, didn't think much of it. Like, okay, he'll get to play a little bit and, you know, probably develop, we go to practice and I see this guy's skills and I was like, holy motherfucker. I was like the stuff he could do with the puck and the passes, even then, yes, he was a little bit undersized at that time. Didn't, you know, he was still, he, he trained hard obviously, but he was a littler guy, but his skill set was phenomenal. I was blown away that this kid was like 19 turned 20. I could not believe it. Oh, um, yeah. Was he his leg kick when he was that age too? Like he does. Oh Yeah. That guy's that guy's toe drag and the little feints that he does. Oh my god, dude! And he did he had some crazy goals in the KHL where people were just like, that did not just happen. Like wow, it was like just beyond like you want to watch it replay, replay. You're like, holy crap! There's a guy that played a lot of KHL games before he went to the National Hockey League. I believe it was almost like. I think it was just over a handful of years in the KHL in total time before he went over. He got the experience before he went over to join the Hawks. And he's only 28 years old now, so like it's probably even a bit less than that. But nonetheless, the experience that he got probably helped him 
go into the National Hockey League, despite the talent that he had, it's almost like when Austin Matthews went over to Switzerland in his draft year. It almost seems like that jumping from, instead of playing junior, and this is no slash to junior hockey, especially here uh, with the game sports show. I'm making sure I'm not slashing junior hockey, but it does, maybe for the American, instead of doing the under-17s or whatever, it may, or under-18s, whatever it may be, maybe it is a good idea to, if you can go play professional level overseas in Europe, that that might be a good spot. It feels like it really worked out for Panarinen. Yeah, it did definitely. I think, you know, he played in Vitez for a few years and then he went over to St. Petersburg, I believe, and won a cup over there as well. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Russia. he was. That's, that's his, like, avenue that he has to go down mostly, anyways, in Russia. But it just seems like getting that men kind of experience, playing with men kind of older instead of you guys your age, it's just better overall for your development. Definitely, definitely. When you're when you're playing with that skill set and physicality and the skills, you're you're forced you're forced to adapt and 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 play at that level, right? I'll, I'll never forget the first uh, exhibition season we or exhibition tournament we had. I could not believe the level of play in the KHL. Like I, I asked guys, I'm like, why aren't some of these guys going to play in the NHL? And some of the guys are like, they fucking make way more money here than they will in the NHL. I was like, okay, well that makes sense. Because they were, there's some guys are unbelievable players over there. The, the speed of the game and the skill was phenomenal. It's not just some league. The KHL is legit, like the skill set on the big ice was phenomenal. Yeah, there's guys like Kovalchuk went over there, was making like nine million bucks when he left New Jersey to go. <laughs> yeah. And there's some guys we never even heard of that have just been there and never left. And you're like, holy crap. Well, this is why, this is why I think is without as much hitting, without as much fighting, without that toughness, this is why I want to see the NHL go to a bigger ice. And I want to see it because, as you just said, what you can see these guys do on a big ice when you have that extra room is amazing so it just it'll just make it so much more visual for the fan i find to actually see these guys at top speed not running into the corner so quickly and not have time to do anything to actually have the time to see what these young guys can do now with the puck it's it's pretty amazing this is why i'm hoping you know i don't think it'll ever happen in north america but you know, to see the NHL go to that Olympic size ice, this is why I always get excited to see Canada when they go to play on the Olympic ice, because it is something to watch to see Crosby and McDavid, all these guys on this big ice to see what they could actually do is amazing. Definitely true. Definitely true. You get to see a different part of the game. It's still hockey. Um, it can still be physical. Um, it's, it's you got to be a little more timed and, and, and patience with it, though. But um, definitely the skill set really comes out on, on, on the bigger ice. It does. I know that's a good point. At getting the ice bigger in the National Hockey League might create more, even more room for those guys with speed. It'd just be much more. But uh, less fans, though, so they're not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they need to do less fans now because of something that's going on in the world, potentially. But down the road. But nonetheless, you know, when you taking it off the ice for a second and going back to the ring i want to talk about your fights for a second okay and i looked up a couple and the ones that were um pretty decent may i say pretty decent is the word i like to use uh 19 seconds uh you basically blink have a sip of your beer and the guy was going for a quick snooze uh and then another fight where you had one that was 17 seconds so you've had you had some pretty good experience in the mixed martial arts and fighting in the ring like in those particular fights where you won in that amount of time how did you win that quick? You know, where you're just like, okay, 
ding, ding. Then it was a ding, ding. Yeah. 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 The first couple were, were real quick. You know, those were quick. And there's, there's a couple that you can't, they're, they're not on YouTube. There's some, the odd clip of a couple, but I had two other fights that went a lot longer, you know, both when I, I won two different heavyweight belts actually in, in that, in that division. And one was against this uh, pretty tough wrestler who actually got me on my back. I think the fight ended up going about a minute and 45 before I knocked him out. But, um, but I remember getting tossed on my back from him and I was like, shit, I do not want to be here with this guy, you know, but I shucked him off, got up. And then I was like, I'm finishing this fucking dude. And, you know, I set it up where I knocked him out, which was good. And then I fought another, um, another guy. Um, he was like six, eight and he was just a striker, but it took me a little longer to get in on him. Um, but when I did, I did like, I give him a leg kick and a left hook and he just dropped like a bag of rocks. <laughs> uh, what were you weighing in at when you were fighting in the MMA? Or like you know, I, I was MMA always about fighting. the same as when I played. I was 235, 240, right? I always kept, um, my, my weight was the same for, you know, the end of my last, you know, five, six years of, of pro hockey. I was, uh, that's where I felt good at, right? The 235, the 240, um, I could skate real fast, but yet I was very strong when I had to deal with big guys on the ice. I could hit good. Um, um, that's kind of where I felt the best. And that's right. In those years, I really got into training conditioning, right? I ended up even training conditioning some, you know, pro guys, some guys from Europe and stuff uh, um, later on um, in Idaho in the off seasons because I just got so into the training and understanding the body, um, the science behind conditioning, you know, from the cardio standpoint, you know, from the strength and all that stuff. So it's uh, for me, that's where I, I was the best. See, that's just it's so good, awesome that you're able to experience both sides of professional sports in that aspect and able to incorporate successfully on the ice. It's just just absolutely amazing. Now he's like Bo Jackson. I don't know. I don't know who plays good football. Bo knows. <laughs> and, you know, and that's and able to keep in shape after a play and everything like that. It's awesome for what you're able to do on the ice and off the ice and the career that you had an eventful journey, if you will, in kind of in the, the athleticism, athleticism, sorry, side of hockey and fighting. Now, getting to our conclusion side here on the Game Sports Show Special Edition with Jeremy Oblonsky, myself, Dave McKagan, uh, Brendan Brooks, we have questions that we ask at the end of each show uh, that are questions that. You didn't know we were going to ask, and they're not going to throw you on the spot where it's going to want to make you hang up the phone. Uh, but nonetheless, it's just questions that we – just random questions we like to ask you out loud. Myself and Brooks, you get one question each, and I'm going to go first. I like saving Brooks for last because the best for last, if you will. Uh, the, if I had a question for you to ask you outside of everything and kind of just a personal question, one guy you can fight either on the ice or in the ring that you haven't, who would it be? So this is a guy that, that, that I played with who I tried to measure myself against um, when we were in Worcester. The guy's name is Steve McLaren, Woody. He's fucking tough as a motherfucker. When I got called up there as a rookie, he was knocking people out fucking cold. Like, not just like one guy, like two or three guys in a row. Like, he was fucking tough. I was like, wow. And... The only time we ever even got on the ice against each other was when we were at St. Louis Blues um, training camp, and we and we didn't fight. Um, but I'll tell you what, that was a guy I measured myself up against, and and I looked up to as well. He was a great guy, took me under his wing, but I always measured myself against him. But that guy was tough as nails, and I would love to say that I got that I fought him at some point. Yeah, I got to play with him, and uh, you know it's it's so crazy because he was such a good guy, good teammate. I'm pre- he's from the Bay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is. North he Bay. is. Yep. 
And, uh, yeah, he was just a good teammate. And, and as tough as you just said he was, it, it's just going to show, because I played with him, obviously, in Worcester and yourself. Um, when, uh, I, when he fought, I saw him lose to Bugard, who a lot of people do. And it just shows you how big and tough Bugard was. Because when I watched McLaren fight him, and I know how tough McLaren is because I saw him knock everybody out, like you just said. And to see him, like it was like he was didn't know what there was to do because, you know, McLaren wasn't a huge guy. This is what people like. He was just so tough, but he wasn't a huge guy. And then to fight a guy like Bugard, just to see him trying, you could just see him trying to do anything he could to get in there. And it just, you know, it just shows how tough and big Bugard and scary he was of a man. Oh, Bugard was, he is a man of a different stature. He was the boogeyman. He was called that for a reason. He was scary. He was a scary guy to fight because he knocked so many guys out. He smashed, you know, guys' faces apart, like literally. Um, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he, he was a force to reckon with, like big time. And Brooks, you got your question that I, uh, I do. Yeah, my my question is, it's you know, I I ask it a lot, and it and it because it gives it a, a chance, to, you know, to give some recognition for you to give to somebody, and and for me is I, I'm curious who was your most influential coach or person in your life that you know kind of guided you and was that like uh, mentor in the hockey world or in the boxing world, you know, someone that you know really kind of shaped of who you were as an athlete oh wow you know I guess I look back you know from the younger years I, I've had there, there'd be too many I think just to put you know when I was when I left the Prince Albert you know Mike Chawalas the coach the person I lived with helped me big time um, when I got to Peoria you know I didn't know Jason Christie but he really took me under his wing give me plenty of opportunities and help me develop my game where I could play the game better too, not just fight. And he gave me the opportunity to, to, to do that. Um, then I look up into Ottawa, you know, I got in that organization, Corey Clouston, um, who believed in me a lot and gave me the opportunity and, and the time to play, which got me those good years. Um, so there's been a few guys, you know, and then, you know, just from a little kid growing up, you know, I think, I think of my dad who just instilled the confidence in me and the work ethic you know, to be able to do what I did for, for as long as I did, you know, that, that that's got to start at home, right? For, for me, I always believe in that. And I got that so, so much from my dad um, that, you know, I got to thank him for that. Let's see, we all, there's always people that have that influential uh, story about somebody and, you know, it's it's great to see because it helps you develop to who you are as a person. All this great, uh, influential people that can get you along the way. And billets are big shout. Out. I got to give a shout out to to billets. You know, to take in uh, players that they or people that they do not even really know beforehand, and they bring you in and put them under your wing and help you grow. I've always loved what billets have done, especially when it comes to the junior hockey ranks, opening up their doors and their family and bringing in uh, some some someone into their life. And you know what? Obviously, there's someone from. Um, uh, that Brooksy, I think, would know more than me, but Trevor Daly, you know, he always compliments Sault Ste. Marie because of the billet family that he had here in Sault Ste. Marie, and it really shapes who you are as a professional as you go forward, all the, that helped get to that point. Definitely, definitely agree. They, they become a big part. They become like family. 
you're there for a, you know extended a period of time and they're like a family to you so they they have a big impact on on your daily and you know your, your life yeah now I'm getting to a wrap up here. I want to say first off before I uh, over to Brooksy to say his goodbyes, uh, Jeremy, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show here. Uh, obviously, you know, it's long overdue because of all the positives and great things heard about you. It was a very, uh, very great to hear all the stories you had. It was an honor having you on the show here today. Oh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be invited on the show and listen to your guys' stuff. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, both. Thank you for coming on. You know, I know we'll be in touch as we always are, but, uh, you know, for you to take the time and, uh, and do this for our show, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we thank you for this and, uh, I wish you all the best in uh, what's to come for you. And, uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Sounds good guys. Appreciate you both. And thank you and look forward to talking to you again. And now getting to our wrap up portion here of the game sports show a special edition upload i want to make sure i remind you wherever you're listening to the show if it's on spotify apple amazon podbean podtail facebook instagram or our website thegamesportshow.com make sure you hit like follow and subscribe or just add the website even to your desktop on your phone laptop or whatever it may be so you can keep in touch uh, with all of our uploads here on the game sports show but also with gem the game entertainment and media again thank you very much to jeremy Oblonsky for coming on the show here tonight i want to thank you again to brendan brooks our my trusty co-host on these special edition uploads and i want to remind you listeners to keep your stick on the ice swing your bats catch your touchdowns drain your threes and shoot your shots booyah hey what's up everybody this is dr kelly i'm a professional goaltender in the washington capitals organization if you're a sports person well you need to download my new app it's called living sisu s-i-s-u everything about sports from discounts to events to just learning new tips and tricks about sports download the app follow us on instagram we have the app just came out there on ios and android just want to say a big shout out to the guys at the game sports show thanks a lot and i really appreciate you guys and we'll talk real soon